Jewish audio on Chabad.org. We are learning Baba Kama Daf Pei Gimel. We left off on Daf Pei Gimel Amidala, four lines from the top of the Amid. We had a Braisa in which we learned that the Chachamim cursed, which also means they put into Chedim someone who teaches his son Chachmas Yivanis, the esoteric Greek dialect. And the question is that we learned in another Braisa that Rebbe suggested that even better than speaking in Eretz Yisrael, Lashon Sursi, which was the language that they spoke, a certain Ar- Aramish dialect, he suggested they should speak pure languages like Lashon HaKadosh and Lashon Yivani, implying that one is allowed to speak Lashon Yivani. So the Gemara answered, don't confuse Chachmas Yivanis Luchud and the Lashon Yivanis Luchud. Chachmas Yivanis is something that the Chachamim prohibited or one teaching his son. And they put a curse, they put a chedem on that. And Lashon Yivani is permitted. Okay, I hear the difference. But still, is the Chachma of Yivanis prohibited to be taught? In the name of Rab Shimon Ben Gamliel. And just for the sake of clarity, let us remind ourselves that there were two Rab Shimon Ben Gamliels. There was the original Rab Gamliel, who was the great-grandson of Hillel, Hazakin, whose son was Rab Shimon ben Gamliel, whose successor was Rabbi Yechiren ben Zakkai, who we just learned about here over Tishabov, the story in Gitin. And then there was the next Rab Shimon ben Gamliel, we can call him Rab Shimon ben Gamliel II. He was already way after the Khurban. He, was, he grew up during the Khurban of Beitar and he is the one that later became the Nasi in Usha. Now, this Rab Shem Ben Gamliel II said that the Pasuk in Eicha that reads, Eini, Oilolol, Lenafshi, my eyes, is repulsive on account of me. Mikoil ben Oisiri, more so than all the daughters of my city. In other words, he read that Pasuk on himself. And what does this refer to? So he said that, Elef Yelodim that my family used to be of a thousand children. 500 of them were taught Chamishmeis were taught Chachmas Yivanis. And he writes, that from these thousand children, this is during Churban Beitar, only I am the sole survivor that live here in Eretz Yisrael. Uben Achiyaba, my cousin, my paternal cousin, survived and he lives in Asya, which perhaps is Turkey. So the question is that you see that if his father, Rabban Gamliel, allowed for a thousand, five hundred of the thousand, to learn Chachmas Yivanis, it appears that it's permitted. It's hard to say that five, God forbid, 500 members of the family of the Nasi, they learned something upon which there is a utter, there's a chedem, there's a curse. Answers the Gemara Amri, we say that Shani based Rabban Gamliel, that the household of Rabban Gamliel is different, that they were close to the government. And Alpinigleth means that they were allowed to speak the language that would help them interact better with the government. Either it's in the category of Pikuach Nefesh, which is why it overrides the rabbinic law, or lechatchila when the chachamim put a curse a chedim on one who teaches his son chachmas yivanis lechatchila did not include those who need to learn it. Also al pi chasidis al pi drush, you can say that kreivim lamalchus means malchus shemayim, and this is something similar to what we learned at the end of the eighth chapter of Tanya 
There the Alter Rebbe writes that when a person learns Chachmas Chitzonius, any knowledge outside of Torah, the person is Malbish, Metama, Bechinas, Chabat Shaloi, in Klipas Noiga. And then the Alter Rebbe writes at the end, there are to that two exceptions. One is when the person is learning a Chachma in order to provide a Parnasa. And then the Alter Rebbe concludes the Pedic by writing that uh, there was great Chachma Yisrael, Dafka, the great Sadikim, that they knew how to use these Chachmas in the service of Hashem, like the Rambam, like the Ramban. And here you have this concept that the great Sadikim that were Krevim Lamalchus, they learned things that most people should not. And like we learned in Ebraisa, that Hamasapir Koimi, that taking a haircut, Koimi style, we learned this in Saita. Koimi was that they used to make, in the front of their hair, they used to completely shave it off. And the back part of their head, they used to let their hair grow very long. Until today, you have certain, uh, in the East, you have certain people that they have like this black ponytail on the back of their heads. Mastama, this is a uh, grandkid of this Mesapir Koimi, which says, That's awesome. It says, Here also, whether it is an Isar Doir or is very, very general. How do you apply the Chachamim? Explained, how do you apply not to dress like the Amoyim? And nevertheless, says the Braiso, that Aftulmus Bar Uven, he They allowed for him to take such a Amoyim type of haircut, so here we have in the second place that speaks out, how can they do that? So that Toysus understands that even though it's based on the Pasik of but it's considered a rabbinic prohibition, and the Chachamim did not make a decree on those people that need to interact with the, with the government. I'm reading in Toysavis. He did it in a way that people did not even know that he's a Yid to fool them, to overturn certain takanas that they were making against the Jewish community. Back inside the Braiso. Continues the Gemara that shall base it. Rabbi Gamliel, he tirolehem, lesaper, bechachmas yivanis. Not only Lashin Yivani, that everyone is allowed. Certain exceptions were given to the family of our royalty, to the house of Rabban Gamliel, betneshe krevim lemalchus. Very good. Continues the Gemara according from the Mishnah. The Mishnah writes that a person should not raise a dog because when a dog barks, and for sure when he bites, he can cause a woman to miscarry, God forbid. If the dog is bound with a chain, even if he barks, once the person notices that the dog is bound, they won't get scared. Says the Gemara Tanner More on this. Lo yigadol adamus akel of a person should not raise a dog. Elim kain kosher bishal shelos only if it's bound with a chain. Avol, however, says the Brisa there is an exception. Megadol who beid as mochalus farm a person is allowed to raise a dog on a town that's near the border because bordering towns were considered dangerous towns because the neighbors which weren't always friendly they would sometimes invade at night so you had a dog to allow the dogs to roam around the town at night you know for the protection of the town and again the Braise clarifies normally there was no danger a day so a day you have to tie it up 
but you are you let it roam at night. Tanya Rabbi Eliezer Hagadol, Rabbi Eliezer the Great, Rabbi Eliezer ben Horikunos says that Hamegadol Kilavim, that whoever raises a dog is Kamegadol Chazedim. It's like raising a pig. Says the Gemara asks the Gemara Lamayin Afkemina. Raising pigs is the Easter that we learned in the Mishnah. Raising a dog is another Easter that Rabbanan. So you have to say this is like that. There are anyways also. Explains the Gemara Lamekim Aleba Arur that we learned yesterday that there was an Arur during the story of the inner war between Harkonos and Aristobulus. That they said Arur Ha'ish. Arur means a Chedim. That's the worst thing. So when we learn over here that Hamagadal Kalavim, raising a dog is like raising a pig, that means that that person is in Chedim. Amar Rav Yosef Bar Manyume, in the name of Rav Nachman, that you should know that Babel is Keir Hasmucha Lisfar Dami, that Babel is like this city that's bordering, a town that's bordering the border. In other words, it's an exception. There, a person under certain conditions is allowed to raise a dog for protection. And on that Tirgma, they interpreted Rabbi Yosef Bar statement, Rav Nachman's statement, that it refers to Narda. And as many point out, not that Narda was on the border between Babel and another country, but the Jewish communities in Babel many times were surrounded by non Jewish cities and they did not like us. So there was a danger. So for, again, when the, whenever a person has a dog for their protection, and that's the only hetir, then a person is allowed to raise a dog. And he's quoting a pasik that we have in Pasha's Baloischa, that really, we learned the shita, that this pasik, these two psukim, might be considered an entire sefer. It's mostly people think that they are chamishi chum And that's the version that we accept. But there's another opinion that holds that there are seven svarim in the Torah. How are there seven svarim? Because in what we call Chumash Apikudim, in Chumash Bamidbar, in Parshas Bahaloischa, you have the Parsha of Ayyhi bin right? That has the noon before, the upside down noon before and after. And there are those who hold it, that's an entire Sefer. So you have Bereshu Shmois Vayikra, you have Bamidbar up until on these two Psukim, that's four. Then you have, then you have this Ayyhi bin that's five. Then you have the end of Bamidbar, first days, that's six. And then you have the bottom, that's seven. So what does it say over there? It says, that when the Aram Kaidish rested, Yoimar, Moshe Rabbeinu said, Shuvah Hashem, Hashem returned, because the Shekhinah lived in the, in the Mishkan. Whenever we traveled in the desert, the Shekhinah that was manifesting through the cloud used to rise up. But after we rested, Moshe Rabbeinu was asking for the Shekhinah to come back down. And he said, Shuvah Hashem, return Hashem, Riva voice. Tens of thousands in the plural. Alfei thousands in the plural, Yisrael. Tens of thousands, thousands. What's the minimum of plural too? So tens of thousands is 20,000. Thousands, minimum is 2,000. From here we learn, said Rabdeistai, that she'ein shechina shoyda al Yisrael, that the shechina does not rest on the Jewish people when we are less than mishnei alafim, mishnei revav, it's less than 22,000. Interesting. Normally we have the concept, you know, we have a Muslim, you know, we have different numbers. You have a minion, then you have, you know, 600,000 Eden for which you make a special bracha, chacham harazim. And here we have another number of 22,000. There's so many drushim, what's the 22,000? First of all, there's a Maimar Chazal that from every thousand people, one person comes out, lohira. From every thousand people, one person really becomes a great Jewish uh, halachic authority. So when you have 22,000, you have 22 great people. And there's a passage that says, Because 
Rashi is, is, has the numerical value of 22. Anyways, we have this concept of 22,000 that attracts a certain higher level of the Shekhinah. That's the Maimir Basalagani, in which the Alta Friedrich Rebbe explains that the Rebbe, you know, based his whole Rabistava uh, on this Maimir, the whole mission is the Maimir Basalagani. And there we learn that there are many levels to the Shekhinah. So there's a unique level of the Shekhinah connected to 22,000. So now continues Rabdo Yistai. That imagine if we're going to add with the Bach, If they have a Jewish community that is 22,000 minus one, and there's a woman that's pregnant, and now we're going to, we are about to be a community of 22,000, which will give us the merit of having this a higher level of the Hashras Hashchina. And now a dog is going to bark at this pregnant woman, and she's going to, God forbid, miscarry. Nimsad comes out that Zed, the owner of the dog, was the one that caused the Shechina to leave the Jewish people. It's amazing. We're using the word because the Shechina did not rest yet. We just had the sugi a few days ago. So it was Roy, it was about to happen. Halachically, it was considered as if it happened, and now it won't. Continuously, come on with the story. There was a woman, the Alas she went into a house to bake bread. The homeowner gave her permission. He told her, I lend to you my oven. However, when she walked into the house, the dog barked at her. After the owner heard the dog barking, to calm her down, he tells her, Don't be afraid of the dog, because in the first wide line, because Shekule Nive, I detoothed the dog. I declawed the dog. It can't be Mazakyu. Amaralesh, she tells to the owner of the house, to the Balabas, Shekile Tivuseh, the gratitude that I owe you, you can take away. And the Shadya Achizre and throw it on the thorns. Shkoyach, now you're telling me not to be afraid. Too late. Kvarnod Volod, the fetus already dislodged itself. In other words, clearly that the barking of a dog can, God forbid, cause a woman to miscarry. And unless there are security concerns, and even then there are restrictions, there is an Isur Midrabanan to raise a dog. And perhaps, according to one version, not only is it an Isur Midrabanan, for which normally if you violate, you get Makas Mardus, if it's connected to an Isur Deiraisa, maybe you get Makas Deiraisa. On top of that, you have also the utter, the curse, the Chedim. Continues the Gemara. Quoting from the Mishnah that ain't person you cannot spread out nets to catch doves unless you are at least 30 ris. And we read Rashi in the Mishnah, 30 ris is 4 mil. 4 mil is 8,000 amas away from the closest other dove cut. Because if you're going to spread out a net that is within 30 ris, less than the 8,000 amas, then it's possible that someone else's dove will be caught in your net and you're stealing. Says the Gemara, O me, Ozli, Kula, Hai, do doves travel so far? 8,000 Amas Vahatanan, we learned the Mishnah in Bava Basra. The Mishnah there is speaking about the, the challenge or the problem of owning a dove similar to the Behemoth Daka in Eretz Yisrael, that my doves might eat up other people's grains or other people's fruits. So we learned in the Mishnah that, that I have to distance my dovecot from the city from, from the areas in which people own fields and orchards, how many amas? 50 amas, not 8,000 amas. Answers the Gemara, Amar Abayi, I guess. Flying, they fly a lot. 
And again, therefore, you have to keep it away uh, 30 this. But kerosayu, but they, their stomachs eating is only bechamishim alim alio. They only eat from a uh, orchard, from a field that's within 50 amas. Again, challenges the gemara umeshat shloishim this. Do they indeed fly 30 this vusuloi and not more? Vehatanya. And that's going to be the opposite question we learned in Abraisa that be yishu vafilu meyamil lo yifrais. The Abraisa says, imagine a hundred mil, not four mil, a hundred mil. I'm not allowed to spread out a net because I might catch a dove that belongs to someone else. So Rabbi Yosef answers, Be'yishuv Kramim, Rabbi says, Be'yishuv Shoifchim. If there is nothing in between your dove cot and my net, that's our Mishnah. They're not going to fly more than 30 this. 30 this is enough, 8,000 mil. But if in between your dove cot and my net, you're going to have uh, different vineyards, which means that the doves to eat, they'll go from one vineyard, then they'll eat in another vineyard, first taste, they'll go sukkah hopping. Then, if in between your and my net, you have at least within Hamishim Amo, there's, there's vineyards, then they'll go a lot a great distance. Rabbi says the same answer, but not that there are vineyards in between this hundred Amo, but there are other dovecots in between the hundred Amo. Now that's obviously a question. One second. If there are other shoifchen between 100 amas and my nets, then the problem isn't that I might catch yours that, are, that is 100 amas away. I might catch a dove from the neighboring one. So right away, ask the Gemara of a tape of According to Rabbah's answer, so the Gemara explains three answers. That Rabbah was speaking about a case, and as the sheet in the Kobetzes adds, it's not that we have to, we can't steal from the Goyim, but we're speaking about people that were lawless people. There are certain people that behave in such a lawless way that upon them, I am allowed to spread out a net and I don't have to be afraid that I might capture their dove. So their doves I'm not concerned about. But since you have such people that own dove cuts constantly, you know, in that direction, there's one and there's another and there's another. So then the kosher owner that lives a hundred, you know, mil away, a hundred uh, amas away, a hundred, uh, a hundred mil away, his doves will go from one to the other, you know, they'll hop to visit their neighbor doves and they might come to mine and I'll catch a, a dove that belongs to an owner. that the dove cuts that Rabbah was speaking about belonged to Hefker, they had no owners. So I'm not concerned about hopping the doves of Hefker. But again, they are the ones that are attracting doves from much further away. that he is the one that owns the dove cuts. Hey, you can take, you can catch your own doves. But again, because there is this line of, 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 of bird houses, so then the Braisa says that mil, do not spread a net. And on this we say, Hadron Allah God willing, we will return to Pedic Merubah. And now with great joy, we will start Hachoyvel. Many of us who had this chus to go to Yeshiva learned this in Yeshiva. It's a very lamdush of with nice big dafim, at least in the beginning. So daf pei gimel amid beis, starting with the new Pedic. Now here, we are going to the category of Adam Hamazik. That if a man damages another man, unlike if my animal damages others, for which sometimes the owner of the mazik has to pay only for the nezik, for the damage itself, here is the sugya that we, we quoted many times of, that when a man damages another man, not only do they have to pay nezik, but there's also the possibility for them paying the other four, uh, other four, uh, the other four payments, or the total of the five damages, which is nezek, 
Tsar, Ripui, Sheves, and Blashis, as our Mishnah goes through each one. Says the Mishnah, if one man inflicts a wound on another. Chayiv, all of, again, there is the possibility that he'll be Chayiv, Mishum, Chamisha, Dvarim, for the five following halachas. Number one, Nezek, for the physical damage itself. Number two, for the Tsar, for the pain. Number three, for Ripoy, for the healing. Number four, Sheves, for the loss of employment. And number five, Ubaishas, for the humiliation. And now the Mishnah will go and explain each one. Says the Mishnah, Benezek, how, Ketzad, how do we assess damage? Says the Mishnah, Sima, Esenai. If the assailant, if the damager blinds the victim's eye, or Kata Esyadai, or if the assailant cuts off the victim's Hand or shibet esraglo if he breaks his foot, says the Mishnah. Royin oisoi, oisoi refers to the victim. We look at the victim ki iluhu eved nimkar b'shog as if he is a slave being sold in the market, and v'shamin and we assess kama hoya yafa and v'kama hu yafa how much was he worth before he had a blind eye, before he had a uh, missing hand, before he had a broken leg, and how much he is worth now. Now here you have a very important machlaikis rishonim. So quickly let's read the Rashi, top of the Amit. So we're speaking about you assess the victim in a slave market. So don't forget that says Rashi, he damaged him. And how is assessing him as a slave the way to say that's the amount of damage? Because that is the loss you gave to the victim. How is this the loss you gave to the victim? Says Rashi. Because if he would have needed money, there's always the option of a person selling himself as a slave. So now that he's blind, if he'll need money and he'll sell himself for an evidivity, he'll get less money. That's the way you evaluate. The Me'idi challenges Rashi by asking one second. He blinded his eye forever. An evidivity is only sold maximum for six years. So how is that a fair assessment? So to which the Me'iri holds that the assessment is made by using an Evet Kanani. If there would be an Evet Kanani like this person who would have been sold in a slave market, not that he would sell himself forever. No, but you want to value, you want to make a, an assessment of how much is the blind eye worth. On one hand, you can argue there's no worth in the world. On the other end, if you have to put a number value, the closest thing you can get is doing this cheshben according to the media of an Eved Kanani. That's a big machlekes here. He's showing him. Many achreinim speak out that what Rashi means, not an Eved Divri that sold himself once. He can sell himself for six years, then he can go out, then he can sell himself again for six years. And again, for the rest of his life, six years at a time, and that difference should be cheshben that way. Back in the Mishnah. Tsar, how do you assess pain? Says the Mishnah, if the assailant burnt the victim with a spit, or or if he damaged him with a nail. And what the Mishnah wants to make a point is that when it comes to the evaluation of pain, it doesn't necessarily have to come from a physical damage wound. Even the example of a nail is that if a person Heard vafilu alzi parnoi. If a person used a a masmid, a nail, an iron nail on the person's fingernail, and he damaged them in a way that there's only pain, you pay for pain. Makaim 
even if it's makim she'en ha'isachavura, even where there's no physical damage, still oimdim, we evaluate the following. Kama adam how much would such a person, we'll explain soon such a person mean in a moment, how much would such a person, writes a little, liyoyitz mitzta'erkach, how much will he pay to get this wound? What does that mean? So the way everyone speaks out. It's not we ask a person, how much, would you, how much money would you demand to allow someone to do this damage on you? A normal person would not allow any money in the world. However, if a person is going to be told, this you're going to have to have anyway. What's God forbid? You're losing the hand. A person stole in a country where the penalty is to cut the hand off. But they tell the, now this Ganef, let's call him now the victim who's about to lose his hand, you're losing your hand. Aloma, you have an option. You can use your hand with an anesthetic and without an anesthetic. So how much money would they pay to have the same thing happen to them without the pain? Or the opposite, how much money would you allow me to pay you? I'm going to cut off your hand. I'm going to give you an anesthesia. I'm curious, how much money would you want for you to allow me to do it to you without an anesthesia? That's how you evaluate the pain. Ripui, for healing. So says the Mishnah, he called that if an assailant hits someone else, he has to heal him. Now this is very important. It sounds simple, not so simple. There's a big debate amongst the Achreinim. Is it that he's chayif to heal him? Or is he chayif to give him the money that is needed to heal him? For example, if the victim died, he got wounded, Reuven wounded Shimon, and the cost to heal him, let's say, will be $100. And now Shimon died. If the chiyuv is to heal him, it's not to give him the money of the healing. He, he, he died, finished, so there's no more chiyuv. If he was mechuyuv to give him the money that healing would cost, now if he dies, so Reuven, the assailant, has to give it to Shimon's children. First taste. Right. And now the Mishnah continues. Let's get the Bach. If sores developed, Around the wound, says the Mishnah, if the sores develop the cause of the wound, that is also part of his obligation to heal. But if it did not uh, come out directly because of the wound, then he spot there, and as the Gemara is going to ask, we'll get to that in the Gemara. Likewise, continues the Mishnah, if the wound healed, but then it returned, and again, it healed and it returned, no matter how many times. If it originated from his zets, he has to pay for the healing. However, says the Mishnah, but if it fully healed, and then if it comes back later and has nothing to do with him, again, the Gemara is going to have to clarify. We'll get to that by the Gemara. Next, Shevis, loss of employment. Now, here, something has to be clear. You already paid for the Nezek, be that as Rashi, it's going to be like the Me'iri. Now the person, let's say, was a diamond polisher, and now the assailant cut off his hand. He no longer can polish diamonds. That will be, that damage, that loss of employment is included, how much would he have been sold as a slave that can polish diamonds? How much now can he be sold as a slave? A lot less. Why a lot less? Because he can no longer polish diamonds. So to stop apply loss of employment, it's like a double, double dipper. You're paying twice for the same thing. So what has to be clarified is the fact that he can no longer polish diamonds for that loss of employment, you don't pay him on Shevis, you paid him that for the Nezek. But on top of that, 
on top of the nezik, now that he cannot go to work because he's healing from his cut limb, what work could he have done when he will heal? He'll be able to be, the example the Mishnah gives, he can watch cucumbers, he can stand in a field to chase away, to scare away the animals, he can be, what's it called, a scarecrow, a living scarecrow. And now he can't even do that because he's in bed. That is the Shevis. Says the Mishnah Shevis, we make believe as if he is a guard for cucumbers. And the Mishnah explains, why don't you say loss of employment? You're kidding, he was working in the bank. Says the Mishnah, nah, that, that was paid in Nezek. So the Shevis is when he'll heal, what's the best employment that he can get? Until he heals, that is what you have to pay him for lack of employment. Boisha is the final. That's much different. Meaning, when you pay someone for their change in value, okay, that's one thing. But in terms of their income, they were actually earning money every single month, whatever it was, based on a certain trade. I don't think. So, since the difference in price between an Evid, let's speak about an Evidivity. An Evidivity cost a lot of money. An Evidivity that knew how to polish diamonds was at a tremendous value. And his loss of that value is because he can no longer polish diamonds. It's going to work its way, it's going to be the same thing. It's going to equalize itself. Maybe it's going to be a little bit less, but that's in every, every employment that way. It's the more hours the person works, it's less per hour. If you buy a guy for six years, it's less per hour, but that was already included. Boishes, shame, the famous words of the Mishnah. Everything depends on who is the humiliator and who is the humiliated. Let's read inside Rashi. Rashi, the humiliator. Adam Kal If a lowly person, if a person from a lower class is the one. Being the mazik, doing the humiliation, the humiliator, Now if the victim gets humiliated from a cow, he feels more ashamed. And likewise, next Rashi, Vaham the humiliated, that Adam Chashuv Shen is bayish. If a great person, if a Chashuv person got ashamed, he feels more shame. So you have to assess every case per case. Now, let's begin with the Gemara. That in Parshas Mishpatim, as well as in other Parshas in the Torah, like in Parshas Emoid, and in other places, where the Torah speaks about a person damaging another human being, and the Torah uses the words Ayin, Tachas Ayin. It's a given that Ayin, Tachas Ayin, an eye for an eye, does not mean literally. That's a given. And as we're going to learn in Mirza Shem and next year in Dafpedale, that even though there appears to be a Tano Rabbi Yezer Hagadol that disagrees, we're going to clarify what he, what he says. No one knows, no one holds that it's an eye for an eye. No one holds it because at the end of the day, what counts more is doing Shimush, to know how to apply Halacha. And from the basin of Moshe Rabbeinu onwards, there was always situations, sadly, where one man damaged another, and never did we apply the eye and Tachasayin. The question we have in the Gemara, for which the Gemara is going to give many answers, is do we have at least a remez in the Torah that will, from, from where we can learn that which we know that ayin tachasayin is not to be taken literally, but it's going to be money, a monetary compensation in the place of the ayin. And Kiyudua, there's a famous word, whether it comes from the Gra. Other people attributed to Rab Shimshon from Astrapala, right? The Kaddish that died during the Chalmanitsky Crusades. 
that tachas ayin, if you take the letters ayin, ayin, yud, and nun, the letter tachas ayin, what comes after the ayin, a pay? The letter that comes after the yud is a chaf. The letter that comes after the nun of ayin is a samach. Those are the words of kesef. The tachas ayin is kesef. No haremes. No, it's, the, it's under it, because you put the olive base from top to bottom. Good. Now, let's go on the Gemara. When it comes to Nezek, why does the Mishnah say you make this assessment? You know, Eved Hanimkar Lashuk. In other words, it's a monetary penalty and not an eye for an eye, literally. Ayin Tachasayin. This is the Pasik and Parshas Mishpatim. Right? In Chumash Shemais, Perik Chav Aleph Pasik Chav Dalit. Ayin Tachasayin, Shein Tachasayin, Yo Tachas Yo, Deregel Tachas Ragel. Maybe, Amar Achmona, Ema Ayin Mamish. Again, it's not that the Gemara has a Havamina that we should actually apply it that way. The question is, do we find in the Torah a source that we don't interpret Ayin Tachasayin literally? Says the Gemara, Loi Salka Daitech. Nah, don't even think it means literally. Why the Tanya? And again, we're going to start a whole series of Braises and later of, of statements of Amirayim that are going to attempt. Some of them will succeed, some of them will be refuted. It's very Gishmak in all showing. That it doesn't mean ayin tachasayin literally. The time we learned in Abrais, Yochel Sim you might think that if an assailant blinded someone's eye, Misameya Esenoi, Beisdin will actually blind his eye in return. Or if Katas Yoda, if the assailant cut someone else's hand, you might think Mikateya Esyoda, Beisdin cuts off his hand. Or Shibir Esragloi, Mishabir Esragloi, Talmud Loimir, and now we are quoting a Pasik in Parshas Emoir. Now in Parshas Emoir, in other words, the Chumash Vayikra, in Peidek Chav Dalid, let us say that we're quoting now Pasuk Chav Aleph, and if you have a Chumash, you can look inside to chop it quicker, but even without it, you'll be able to follow this easily. There is a Pasuk that says, let's assume this is Pasuk Chav Aleph, it's just that if it's Pasuk Chav Aleph, the Brais is reverting the order in the Pasuk. The Pasuk Chav Aleph actually reads, Umaka Behema Yishalmena, if you damage an animal, Yishalmena means you pay money, and it says, Umaka Adam Yumas, if you hit a person, you are put to death. Now actually, for those of us who learn Chitas, Chumash Rashi, look over there, you'll see that Rashi says, Umaka Adam Yumas, everything is to be taken literally. Umaka Adam means you only hit a person. And Yumas means literally, why? We'll see that soon, the Gemara is also going to point it out. Because we are speaking about a person who, God forbid, hits his parent. And the din is, if a person makes a Chabala in the father or in the mother, Chayv Misas Beisden. But before we get to that, so it says in the Pasuk, Maka Adam Umaka Behema. So let's understand that this is a drash, a drush from Smuchin, from the fact that they are juxtaposed. Ma Maka Behema, the Torah says explicitly, Litashlumim, Af Maka Adam. The punishment of Maka Adam is not literally, it's a monetary pay, a penalty, it's a monetary payment, Litashlumim. Now adds the price of it. And if you want, Whenever the Braise uses these words, it means that you can shlug up my limut. So if you want, if you'll have a cash on that, I'll give you another answer. And here we're quoting a Pasuk and Parshus Masei, where it says, that you should not accept a kaifer, don't accept a ransom, for the life of a murderer, Asher Hu Rasha Lamos, for one who's deserving to die. No, it's, if someone deserves to die, he cannot pay his way out of it. 
So that says the Braiso, you might don't take ransom, don't take money from a murderer. But if someone hurt someone else, even if they hurt someone else in a way, like they cut off one of their that will not regenerate, they will not grow back, but they didn't kill. So there you don't, there you take in or you accept payment for the penalty, and it's not to be taken literally. That's the end of the Braisa. Analyzes the Gemara. And we're going to have an easy, nice, long Gemara here. Hey, Mako, when the, when the Braisa is quoting a Pasuk, as we said from Pasha's Emoid, in the words of the Braisa, not in the order, Mako of the Maka Behema. Like I spoke out, that Pasuk, Chaf, Aleph, doesn't begin with Maka Adam Maka Behema. It's the opposite order. Hey, Maka, what is the Braisa referring to? Ilema, if it's Takan referring to Pasik, Chaf Aleph, like we mentioned, that Omake Behema Yishalmena, Omake Adam Yumas, uh-uh, that's not the Pasik, because Ahubik Talaksiv, like we quoted from Rashi and Chumash, Maka Adam Yumas Taka means if a man hits his parent, his father or his mother, he's put to death in Bezden. We're quoting now Pasik Yutches, few Pesukim before, Perik Chav, Dalit, Pasik Yutches, it says, Omake Nefesh Behema Yishalmena. If you hit an animal, it says clearly, Yishalmena, that's money, you pay money. Nefesh Tachas Nefesh, Usmich Le'ei, and as Toysavis points out, even though the Gemara uses the words Usmich Le'ei, which normally implies that we're having a drush based on smuchin, that's not what it means here. We're going to learn this whole sugya, it means egzeda shava. That it's, it happens to be next pasik. That it says in pasik yutes, which is the following pasik. If a man inflicts a wound on his fellow, kasher also, as he did, kein yei also loy, so should be done to him. Also, literally, it can mean an eye for an eye. What he did should be done to him. But since the Pasik begins with the words ve'ish kiyitein, what does kiyitein mean? Giving. What does giving mean? Inflicting. So it's an amazing gzeda shava that Hashanim speak out. Normally, gzeda shava means the word here and the word there are the same. Here, the word is not the same. In Pasik yutches, the word is make nefesh, hitting. Here, in Pasik yutches, the word is kiyitein. But the content is the same. Giving it damaging. One second. The word in Pasuk Yutes is not make. It says kiitein. Answers the Gemara. That's it. It doesn't matter that the words are not exactly the same. What matters here is the content. The pshat in the Pasuk is the same. So we make a gzeda shava just like in Pasuk Yutes. Make nefesh Pay money. So when it says in Pasuk Yutes, does not mean literally, it means money. Still asks the Gemara of And now we are quoting a Pasik in that Parshem, Parshem, in Pasik Yud Zayin. All this is a parshas emoid at the end of emoid. The ishkiyake kol nefesh adam. If a man inflicts a wound, the Torah says mois yumas. So here also says the Gemara mois yumas doesn't mean death; it means b'mamayin. Mois yumas, yeah. Ani chashiv kameis. I says again mimay de b'mamayin eima b'misa mamish. So lois al kadaitach says the Gemara chado because we just spoke out or iskash. 
Again, the Hekish really means here, Gzeda Shava. That's how we're going to learn the Sugya. And Vaoid, Ksiv Basre, it says in Pasuk Chav, Kasher Yitain Mumba Adam Kain Yinasain Loi. Clearly, Kasher Yitain Mumba Adam Kain Yinasain Loi means not death. You don't kill him. What he did is done to him. So you see that it's not death. So once you're taking the Pasuk out of the literal meaning, Mois Yumas doesn't mean death, then what does it mean? So bottom line is, we have a Gzeda Shava from Pasuk Yutches to Pasuk Yutes. That's the Braisa. So it's good. So now the Gemara has to explain what did the Braisa mean when it continued, Why did the Braisa then have to quote a Pasuk from the end of Pasuk Masay? Rightly, Sikhu Kaifel and Nefeshret Seach. What was wrong with this Gzeda Shava? Explain to because the Tana does have a question on the Gzeir Shava, which is, my chaz is the Yolaft, mi Makabehima, why are you making a Gzeir Shava from Makabehima? That it means, Yishalmena, Tashlumim, why don't you learn it from a Makas Adam? The Makas Adam that we mentioned, that Make Nefesh Adam, Maka Adam Yumas, which means someone hitting the parent, and the Taka put to death literally. Says the Gemara Amri, they answer that the reason why we don't compare it to Makei Adam, because done in Nizakin Minizakin, we ain't done in Nizakin Mimisa. A person damaged someone else, we want to compare that case to another scenario where the aggressor won't get killed. We don't want to compare him to a case in the Torah, a person hits his parent, it's considered a, um, it's a capital crime. So the Gemara says that's not good enough of an answer. Adarabha, why don't we say Dadam Adam Ba Adam, they ain't done in Adam Ibehemo? No, it's maybe you should compare it, say, if a person wounds someone else, perhaps only Rashi Yavadam, Sheinu Chazim, they should be put to death. Compare man to man and not man to animal. So, because of that kasha that you can have on the Gzeir Shava, the Braises says that if you want, I'll give you another Pasuk. Again, the Pasuk and Pashas Masay, don't accept a ransom for the life of a murderer, Asher Hu Rashalamus, for one who's deserving to die. So, so on this we say, you don't take Kaifer from a murderer. But you do accept ransom, in other words, payment, money, money penalty, money payment, money compensation, even still asks the Gemara, How can you use the Pasuk for the Lima that we just said? We learn from this Pasuk, The whole din of that if a person does one act, for which that act is in violation of two different lavin, and there are different penalties, and the rule is, let's go to the case where Yechayev Misam, when a person steals a Mechal Shabbos through the same act. So we have the rule, and according to Tana Devei Chizkiah, even if the person is not actually put to death, but if it's an act that could bring death, you don't get killed and pay. That's the meaning of the Pasik. Don't take money for a murderer if he's getting killed. Or if he did something in which it's shy for him to get killed, he doesn't pay money. Answers the Gemara. Hi, the limit of Kamle is That is learned just from the words in accordance with his wickedness. In other words, he only gets penalized for one wickedness, not for two. 
But the beginning of the Pasuk is not used for the din of Kamlei. And therefore it is used to make it clear that only a murderer cannot pay his way out. But a damager will get penalized or be told to compensate Dafka with money and not with the literal Ayin Tachasayin. Still asks the Gemara of Akate, the Torah wants to tell you that the Torah wants to tell you that when a person is high of Misa, the literal, don't allow him to pay his way out with money, he has to get killed. So that is the meaning. You know, it's when the Pasuk needs to tell you a Din, and you don't know that Din otherwise, how can you learn something else aside of the Din? Answers the Gemara. The words nefesh reitzeach are extra. So shmamino. Again, the, the widest line and bottom of the Amit, that nefesh reitzeach only vir iatolekeach koifer. Avol atolekeach koifer l'rashi yavaram shenim So now that we have a good limit from the pasuk and parshas masay. So just concluding with this brayse asks the Gemara a great question. And from that we learn that only Nefesh Reitzayach doesn't pay money, but a damager, even Rasha Yevaram She'enam Chayzrim, does pay money. So Maka Maka, see clearly, that's why you see Maka Maka means Exeter Shava. Lamali, who needed the first Limud, answers the Gemara, that's the main Limud. Omri, they answered that Imahai, if we only would have had the Pasik and Pashas Masay, Havaminai mistakenly would have said that the aggressor, the assailant, will be given the choice how he will compensate for the damage that he did. Look at this logic. You might have thought, If the assailant wants to pay by telling Bezden, I blinded an eye, blind my eye. We'll accept that. And Or he'll have the option of paying money. So that's Kumash Malan from the Gzeda Shava, from Behemoth. That ma maka behema, the only option is litashlumim, af maki adam, liz tashlumim, and there is never even the option to, so to say, compensate by giving up your own limb. So that's Braisa number one, answer number one that stands. Let's remember this. So we have a daf base. The first answer the Gemara gives is from Gzeda Shava. It's called maka maka, even though we pointed out it's a unique Gzeda Shava. Because it's from Pasuk Yutches, Pasuk Yutes. In Pasuk Yutes it says, Ve'ish kiyitein, it doesn't say the words makeh, but the content of Ve'ish kiyitein, Mumba Misa means, if a man inflicts a woman on the other. Amazing. Next. Now actually, this next answer is going to be refuted. And just to reiterate, there is not even a Havamin in the Gemara that Ayin Tachasayin actually means Kepshutei. There's nothing to talk about. We have a Mesaitis, going back from the basin of Maishar Abeinu, we're just looking for a remez in the Torah that ayin, tachas ayin, Hashem hinted in the Torah means money and not tachas ayin. Just it's good to know that throughout our history, when the tzedukim sadly were challenging the Torah Shabal Peh, there were a few dinim that they strongly challenged us in, and that's why we have in here in the Gemara so much, a whole daf almost, to show how they're wrong. You know, we have this in Mimachras HaShabbos, how do you count the Svira Soimer? And here by the Ayin Tachasayin, and then the Rambam, all of the Rishonim, when they speak about this din, they write many words to make it clear that this is the meaning of Ayin Tachasayin. Tachasayin is not Kipshutai. Continues the Gemara. Tanya, we learned that Abdoistai ben Yehuda Oimer. Braisa number two, answer number two. Ayin Tachasayin, Zot Rabdoistai, means mumming. Ata Oimer, Mama, Inoyene, Ella, Ayin Mamish. 
So Amrat zakt Rab Doistai Hareish Oisa Einishol Zegedoyla. What's going to happen if the assailant's eye is large? Large either means large or it means he has good vision. And the Einishol Zeh and the victim's eye, whom he blinded, is Ktano. Either small literally or small meaning it's weak. So Haechani Kaira Beayin Tachasayin. In other words, you want to make a comparable deprivation. It's not comparable. It's not an eye for an eye. Because one eye was better and one eye is worse. So that, from that in itself, you know that it must mean mamain. One second. Counters the Gemara Vichitema. You can question. Maybe ayin tachasayin means kapshutai. And if both eyes are the same, then ayin literally tachasayin. If one eye is stronger or weaker than the other, there, since you cannot make a comparable deprivation, only there pay money. In other words, sometimes it should be the ideal. If you can't do the ideal, then do money. So that can be his answer is the Gemara because Atero Amra, Mishpat Echad Yelochem. That's a very important rule. Meaning, Mishpat Hashavah Lekulchem. It has to be the same law for all of you. You can't have one person gets penalized with losing his eye. One person gets penalized with money. That's not a Mishpat Echad. Counters the Gemara again asking, Amri, my Kushya, Bachal, what's your question? Dilma, perhaps, yeah, the assailant's eye is big and the victim's eye is small. The assailant's eye was good, the victim's eye to begin with was schwach. So what? It's still considered a comparable deprivation. Why? Because Dilma, the assailant took the vision from the victim, but he was able to see, now he can't. And maybe the traitor is saying, take the vision from the assailant. It is considered a comparable deprivation. And furthermore, to ask the question, turning to the right away Rashi explains, the word cotton doesn't mean a minor, a minor is not a bar chiyuva. Rashi says cotton means an adam nanos, a midget. If a midget killed a large person, or the opposite, what is the penalty for murdering? Literally, the murderer loses his or her life so why don't you say, how can Bezdin kill the murderer? They're not the same. So you're going to answer the same answer that, that, you know, when they're not the same, he compensates with money. That's not even a solution. Because what's the answer? That it is a good penalty. It is a mida keneged mida. I want as big as one as small. Who cares? Ella, neshama shakal Bottom line is, is that the, the aggressor, the murderer, killed the victims. He took his neshama out of him. And the traitor says, neshama amarachman You have to take the neshama off the victim. Hachinami here also, just because one eye is big and one eye is small, it doesn't not allow us to fulfill the ayin takas ayin. Would it have meant literally, hachinami nohayda shakal and therefore, and therefore, we refuted the proof of Rebbe Doistai. Now, just to finish, we're saying the following. If the Torah meant ayin, tachas ayin, it means tashlumen. So why didn't it say that clearly? So more than that in the next year. But one insight is that it really it's tachas ayin. It's like it says by Karbanis, that when a person brings a carbon and they see the animal being geshachten and they see the blood being sprinkled on the altar, that there's a certain type of thought of tshuva that a person should understand that I violated the will of Hashem, then I, who says I'm worthy to live? And that blood should have been my blood. And I should have lost my life. The Torah had rachmanas on me and it allowed me to exchange my life and the life of an animal. 
And there's also this understanding that a person should not think that just because the penalty for blinding an eye is giving money, that the person should feel, okay, I'm off the hook. I blinded the eye, I paid them the few dollars. No, really, the person, the assailant, should have lost their eye. But tachas ayin, he gets to pay, get away with money. This is to help the person understand the seriousness of injuring his fellow, and therefore part of what's needed here is the tshuva, the person should do a proper tshuva, emetz Hashem, to be continued.